With that then, we're ready to uh, jump into our message for today. And some of you were here last weekend, and you may remember I, I started off my message with a joke. Does anyone remember what that was? Right? What was the car that the earliest Christians drove? It was a Honda Accord, right? Because uh, Acts 2 says they were all in one accord, right? And I thought it went over so well, I figured I'd use a joke to start today too and just see. Uh, sorry, I did this last service too. Um, what... Uh, Modern American sport is the most biblical. Okay, so I did that last <laughs> this service too, yeah. So baseball, um, uh, baseball, uh, some suggest because it, the Bible starts out in the big inning. Right? Okay. No, all right, we'll try another one. Uh, how about football? Now, I chose this one, by the way. Yeah, thanks uh, for my Spartan fans. I chose this one. Uh, not realizing that here in the Chicago area, we'd be getting a bunch of snow yesterday and today, so it's especially fitting. But uh, some say football uh, because, uh, again, in Genesis, we hear about the big down fall into sin. All right, big down. No, okay, yeah. Anyway, uh, one more. How about uh, tennis, maybe, the most biblical sport? Because uh, Genesis says that uh, Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. All right, and yeah, and Ruth was just reminding us, you start out with love, right? And so that's a good thing too. So, but um, uh, we're actually just here to talk about serving and how that fits. And if you know tennis and the basic rules, you can't start or even play, let alone win the game if you don't know how to serve. And in our Christian life, uh, becoming more like Jesus, what we're saying is there's also a necessary uh, and essential part of service, uh, so maybe when you think of service, you don't think about serving in volleyball or tennis. Maybe you think about the person who serves you when you go to your favorite local restaurant, right? They bring out your food and whatever drinks you've ordered. They take care of you and you want to reward them generously through a tip for their service. Or maybe you think of public servants when you think of serving. That is the women and men who serve as teachers, as uh, first responders, medical personnel. We've, we've had them in our thoughts and minds and prayers, especially the last few years. Okay? There's another way we talk about servants, uh, those who serve in the military. Um, my youngest brother, Billy, actually is serving right now in Kuwait. He's been on a six-month deployment there. He's full-time army, and God willing, he'll be back in about a month. And uh, so we talk about the women and men in our military being uh, serving our country. And sometimes they're even uh, called to put their safety and their life on the line. So when we think about serving... We're thinking about the ways that we use what we have, our gifts and talents and our abilities, even our possessions for the good of others, to take care of their needs, to help them, to even maybe put our lives on the line for their sake. And, and what we'd like to explore today is how this is integral and essential to following Jesus. So in our family Bible reading time, we talked about John 13, where Jesus modeled for his service, and he does so fulfilling what Paul later described in these words from Philippians chapter 2. He says, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Right, so for the early Christians, whatever car they drove, right, uh, they were... They were modeling this in what they'd seen in Jesus, and Paul calls all of us to assume that same hot posture of service. 
And, and perhaps no place uh, better illustrates in the Gospels what this serving looks like than the story we read, John 13. Um, you read through it in, in your family Bible reading time, but, but if, you, if you don't recall the details, here's what happens. It's the, it's the Thursday of Holy Week when Jesus is gathering in the upper room to celebrate Passover with his disciples. A bunch happens that night. We're focusing just on this first part where as they gather in the room, what normally would have been expected is that the lowest of the lowest of the low servants would have been stationed at the door and, and the task for that servant would have been to literally wash the feet of the guests who were coming in. And so we don't know if, if this actually happened, but you could almost imagine the disciples entering into that space and expecting someone to be there serving and, and no, there's no one there. And so they go and they lay down and maybe they're turning to each other saying, wait a minute, was it your job today? Is it your job? I mean, who's going to have to wash the feet? We, I don't know if that happened in, in quite that way, but what we do know is what happened next very clearly. Jesus, uh, he takes off his outer garment, whatever he would have been wearing, and he wraps a towel around his waist, and he gets down onto the ground, and he begins to wash their feet. And then Peter protests, says, Lord, uh, I should be the one washing your feet. Remember about the lowest of the lowest of the low part? He's like, he knows that Jesus outranks him. He's the rabbi. Peter's the disciple. He is God. Jesus, or, and Peter is like us, a, a normal human being. And so uh, Peter says, I should be washing your feet. And Jesus responds, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And so then Peter's like, okay, wow, he's doing something here. I, <laughs> that's not what I... That's not what I mean. Um, wash all of me, right? Head to toe. And Jesus says, if you take a bath or a shower, if you're, if you're normally clean, you don't need to take another one throughout the day, and you just need to wash your hands or feet when you get dirty. But, but then he adds, but all of you are already clean, uh, except for the one who was set to betray him. It's a reference to Judas there. So what Jesus was saying is that by my having chosen you as my disciples, by my claiming you to be my own, you are already clean in my sight. So it's not about cleaning here in this moment. It's about something else. You see, Jesus wanted to model for them and for us this humble posture that he wanted to embody and then invite us to imitate. John 13 goes on to say this, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Now again, I said, I, this is probably the most vivid moment where we see Jesus uh, literally get down on his hands and knees and get dirty serving in this humble way. But it's not the first or the only time he's talked about it. Uh, go back to, with me to Mark chapter 9, for example. Jesus, sitting down, calls the twelve, and he says to them, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. all right, so he's kind of messing with their uh, value system. Who's important? Who gets attention? Uh, what does it mean to be the greatest? Uh, apparently, it was a, uh, an ongoing conversation because a chapter later, Mark chapter 10, he says this, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Very strong language Jesus uses. You must be of such a humble servant's posture that it's like you're a slave to others. Now here's the thing. Uh, Jesus tells us again and again and again that serving others, using what we have to bless others, putting them first is super important. It's part of what it means to, to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. Um, and he does so repeatedly, and then he embodies it himself through that foot-washing moment. And he does so, I think, because he realizes how, at a certain level, this is hard for us. He understands the sinful human nature tends to point us towards serving ourselves and not others. So let me give you an example. Some of you have kids at home or maybe you have grandkids or maybe you just remember when you were a kid. Uh, mom or dad or whoever is in charge says, uh, I want you to set the table or do the dishes or take out the trash or clean or any other chore around the house. How many kids jump up and say, yes, it's my favorite thing to do. I can't wait to help, right? Right? You're laughing because, obviously, I don't think that ever happens. Right? I think that's why we call them chores. Or maybe they're called chores and that became a chore. I don't know how that works in the history of the word, but you get the point. Right? It's, it's not something we jump into gladly or willingly. But, but it's not just at home. You can think about if in the classroom or the workplace. If you're working with a team and you need to do a project, how often do you try to tackle the hardest task yourself and give the easiest ones to the others? No, it's usually the opposite. You try to uh, see what you can do to do the least amount of work, maybe to get the most amount of attention. Um, see, the definition of sin is being self-centered and selfish rather than selfless and self-sacrificing. So Jesus calls us to this lifestyle, this posture of service, but he recognizes it's not always going to come naturally and sometimes it'll be hard for us to embody what Jesus himself is setting forth as an example. So Jesus says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The very next or the very night that Jesus modeled humble service by washing his disciples' feet it was the same night that he was arrested and tried. And, and the very next day, um, his feet were washed in the blood that he shed on the cross. Um, Paul says it this way, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus humbled himself and served us in this way. He, he came and he suffered and he died, not on accident, but on purpose. Because it was his mission to be the suffering servant whose blood shed on the cross would finally set us free from this sinful condition, and then set us loose to love and to serve everyone we meet. Jesus knew it wouldn't come naturally for us, and so he had to go first. 
He had to model the way for us and then by the dwelling of his Holy Spirit within us, empower us to find joy and delight in serving, to find purpose in meaning, in giving everything we have for the good of others. And in this way, bringing his love and his peace and his power into a world that desperately needs more Christ-like, humble servants. You probably recognize this person, right? Who is it? Mother Teresa, right? She wasn't perfect. Nobody is, aside from Jesus. But she was a pretty good model of humble, Christ-like service, right? Um, She served the lowest of the lows, uh, those who were sick, those who were marginalized in Calcutta, India, devoting her life uh, and everything she had for the good of others. And the story is told that on one occasion, there was an American young guy who was there to photo document the Mother Teresa story. And so at one particularly vivid moment, she was with a leper in the streets, and he said, you know, apparently she could overhear him, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And she turned to him and said, you know, I wouldn't either. But I would do it for Christ. All right, see, here's what Mother Teresa learned, is that there's no amount of money, there's no amount of recognition, there's no amount of status that we or she could gain that would be a reason for her to love and to serve others in that way. But because she knew how much Jesus had given up for her, because she knew the price he was willing to pay to win her back, from her own brokenness and sin and shame, because she knew how much he had loved her. She was willing to do whatever she could, whatever was in her reach, to love and to serve others. Right? Jesus models for us this humble posture of service and invites us to imitate him so that we can learn how best to live for ourselves and for others. And in this way, begin to experience life to its fullest. He says it this way to end our text from John 13. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you hear my words and put them into practice, you will become like me, Jesus says. And in that way, you'll experience the fullness of God both in your life and in the lives you reach and the people you serve. And and the world itself will be transformed in and through these simple, humble moments of service. That's God's will. That's God's plan. In and through you for the sake of this world that he loves. So may we, becoming more like Jesus, See, lives and communities transformed as we put into practice his words and ways in humble acts of service. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Amen.